these eyes do 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 these eyes do do cry for you oh wow do 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 these eyes i don't think i'm even singing right these eyes i don't know it long to hold you again all right that's enough these eyes these eyes There, there was the theme song. Yes. Now it's back to us. Yes. Welcome to Is It Whack? Or it's more like Is It? Because we're missing like half the team. So it's like. It's kind of like Is It? Is It Whack? Or it's And you have whack. to really think about it. Yeah. It's Anyway. Is, what is it? And that's the question we're here to answer today. <laughs> Is It Whack is a podcast where we decide the whackness of uh, certain films. Whackness meaning uh, anything that we feel on this given day. Uh, I think that's the intro. Uh, Last week on an episode you definitely listened to, I accidentally started saying the intro to a different podcast, (laughs) uh, which was cool. What podcast did you say the intro to? I was just listening to So Much Blank Check, which is something we vowed to stop talking about. That I just started saying the blank check intro, which is embarrassing. Well, you know what's also embarrassing? Oh, I wasn't there. I was going to say, I didn't catch it. I wasn't there. <laughs> All right, you, you you may notice, keen-eared listeners out there may notice that it's our, our three other co-hosts are being very quiet today yeah. on this episode. We gave them all strep throat. Sorry. <laughs> um, due to busy schedules... You know, conflicting schedules. Only the two of us were able to record today for Hannah's pick, the long-awaited super bad episode. The long-awaited. Um, yeah, that's what I had to say about that. How are you, Hannah? Um, I'm good. I'm not used to this much, like, silence. <laughs> and I'm also not used to having to direct a podcast. Like, like usually it's like everyone else is like, Yes, introductions, Funke does their thing, Adam sings, um, and it's very weird. I feel mm. really weird. I feel like I'm in a big, empty field. How are you, Seb? I'm good. Who, that That's our intros, here. right? I, I'm Seb. Yeah. You're Hannah. Yeah. Uh, trying to check the, the check boxes. I agree. I mean, usually uh, our co-hosts are the engine of this. You yeah. Know, Adam, Nara, and Funke, and I'm uh, sitting back making great jokes as the, the fan favorite kind of wisecracker of the group. And I'm um, sitting back being the, like, really good-looking one of the group, but <laughs> no one can tell because this is a audio medium. Sort of the strong, silent type. Yeah. Both of us, really, we were, we were talking before we started recording, listeners, about how little we get to talk on this podcast. And finally, an open forum. Just yes. the two of us. Finally, uninterrupted bullshit <laughs> from two people who've known each other for too long. <laughs> Speaking of, our film today, Super Bad, a film I think you have a, uh, I understand you have a long and storied history with. Long and storied? Yes. Uh, do, you, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I watched this movie all the way through, to be honest. I think 
when it came out, it was like, this movie's inappropriate. My brother went to see it in theaters like three times, but I was too young for it. And then much like South Park, it was like this thing that I felt too afraid to watch because I was like, this is a dirty movie. And then I did watch it and I was like, oh, this is so funny. McLovin, that's genius. Ha ha. <laughs> um, but I, I think I might have watched pieces of it because I like think it, maybe it was on TV once and I didn't want my parents to catch me watching it. So I like didn't right. keep watching it. Um, and then I yeah. And then I had seen it a full time and it became the movie that like if I went to a party and like, you know, dabbled in, in party things things in high school right. um I would like mardi gras beads things like yeah that. yeah yeah i'd be on mardi gras beads and i'd go home and i'd be like oh my god i'm gonna sit in bed eat some cookies and watch super bad and then i'd always fall asleep at the opening credits um <laughs> so i have that relationship with it what about you sebastian that's a strong that's a strong relationship i think mine is um well the first part is similar in that it came out in 2007. We were in grade four. Five. five. Four or five. five. End of grade four. Start no. of grade five. No, same grade year. Five. I was living in the United States in grade five, and I would distinctly remember my brother going to see this when we were living in the United States. So it we were in grade five. I'm sorry. No. I... <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> We can't be fighting this early in the episode. This is like... Okay, well, anyway, I'm just saying at the time, I was more interested in Ratatouille, for example. I saw that in theaters, but I did not see Superbad in theaters. I also saw Ratatouille in theaters. And then I didn't have any older siblings. My 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 dad, my parents, but especially my dad, would not put up with this kind of vulgarity. Absolutely would not <laughs> be caught dead watching Superbad. <laughs> at least when my I was a kid. My dad loves this movie. <laughs> We yeah, I was just, sorry. Well, I was thinking my dad's probably never seen Superbad. That's kind of funny to me. I just remembered that like my family always watches like an inappropriate comedy on Christmas in the mm. evening. I don't know why. And one year it was Superbad. Like I watched this with my whole family. Uh, yeah, sorry, but you go on. No, no. I think it's interesting. And, you know, the, the families come around. We watched Role Models the other day. I've never that seen that fun. one. Really good, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Mm. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> the first time I remember seeing it, I think you were there. I could be wrong. At your but... house? Yes. Okay, that must have been the first time I saw all of it then. Did we watch all of it? Yes, we did. Okay, that was my first time watching it. How did I? I'm so stupid. Sorry. That's weird. No, but I thought you were like, I thought you had seen it many times. That was the impression oh, I got. Well, actually, maybe, maybe I had. Of it. Okay, maybe I had. Seen I don't it. remember. This I was, don't remember. I think literally ten years ago, literally. when we were in middle school, and it really felt you know we were getting away with something. I don't think my parents <laughs> were home. The whole group of us little middle schoolers. Shout out to the Super squad. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was hilarious at the time. I thought it was a really, and I even at the time I think I understood that it was a good movie with a real story. I don't know if I would have put it in those words but i remember the ending like affecting me and i actually haven't seen it since then and i still remember a lot about it i didn't know that you hadn't seen it since then i've probably seen like clips of it and stuff but i mean 
I, I hadn't, and it was still very fresh in my memory, which is maybe mm. one of the reasons why I never went back, because I remembered a lot of it. That is so wild, because, like, I don't, I have to rewatch every movie that I saw from that time to be able to actually say something about it. Mm. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't know, I don't, I feel like I just didn't understand movies. I mean, you were, like, a smart movie-watching child, Oh, so. stop. She's correct, <laughs> folks, but I wish she would stop sometimes. Oh, he's so <laughs> smart. I wish you could see what a smart boy he is. <laughs> I I don't remember a lot of like their antics, mm. like in the middle. But I remembered yeah. a, the beginning and the end pretty clearly. Which I think is like that's where I the, think the stronger stuff. Yeah, the some I I do think the end kind of drags out a bit, or the middle. I mean, mm-hmm. where yeah, totally. What are, how do we usually... Oh, we usually start with the sub-summary corner, right? Yes. Yes. Um, um, I don't know how necessary this one is. Yeah. It really feels like, to any older or younger listeners, anyone who's even remotely near our age has seen this multiple times. Mm-hmm. And knows it well. But, if... Y- yeah. Turn off my phone. What are you doing? Turn off my phone. Oh my puzzle. god, there's no one to fill the silence when it's just the two of us. It's fucking <laughs> weird. Uh, Alright. Um, should I do it for formality's sake? Um. Yeah, I suppose so. Because people are just going to be so like disturbed by like the difference of rhythm in the episode already. Like They're going to yeah, be like, this is my favorite. need something to hold on to. Yeah, like they're already kind of like, wait, what's going on? I'm so confused. This is a life pre- preserver, you know, in mm-hmm. a sea of, of, of structurelessness. Yeah, sort of like life itself. Life is a life preserver. <laughs> Super bad, two thousand seven. It's about Seth and Evan, two teenagers who are really horny, <laughs> um, and are uh, about to go off to college, um, two separate colleges and um are going to be separated for the first time they've known each other all their lives um and they really want to have girlfriends or maybe just have sex um before they leave high school mm-hmm. and they end up invited to a party you know it's implied for the first time and so the movie is like takes place over one day and night them trying to get to the party and deliver alcohol with their friend uh Fogel. <laughs> who uh better known as mclovin uh who is uh also trying to get there with booze and has a whole well, they have yeah he's like their depend they depend he's famously a fake id yes so he's uh, initially their vehicle to get the alcohol but and, things go yeah. wrong you won't believe it hijinks ensue yeah unbelievable you you can't even imagine yeah i don't know yeah okay well we're gonna settle in i can see it i can see it now this is gonna get less weird and we're just gonna settle in and it's uh, gonna be fine and we can stop acknowledging it yeah and like we could we could take turns like impersonating our co-hosts if we need like (laughs) i'll be adam we'll be like oh yeah guys like this movie this movie's so big this movie gets me so excited and yeah uh it's just yeah, movies. 
And then and, I'll be... Uh, well, Nara yeah. would be would say something like, oh, you know that part where they were running? Doesn't that remind you of that video of Bjork where she's talking about uh, television? You know, you guys all know this, right? Um, it's sort of like that one uh, Dead Kennedys album. But but she'd also say it like like really like this like very okay. Cool. Well, I can't. You're the actor. I can't do impressions. Oh, oh my god! Don't brag about me. Um, okay, I'm gonna write to you what Funke would say, and you do okay. an impression. Okay. Um, the video games. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Okay, so we have all the contributions from all the other co-hosts. Now you don't feel we as weird. We don't want yeah. to feel as weird anymore. Everyone's comfortable now. <laughs> all right, I took some notes. Maybe that's a way to get us started. I yes. rarely take notes, but I was like, I'm going to be overwhelmed with thoughts, but then I only took a handful of notes. Okay. I think there's a moment in this mm -hmm. where you see American studio comedies start to break. They start to mm -hmm. eat themselves. And I'm sure this is not the first time it's happened, but I think it shows a, a troubling trend. Like, I think, in my mind, 40-Year-Old Virgin is the first movie that Apatow's involved in, mm -hmm. right? And that kind of is a mix between, like, kind of the fratty, like, Wedding Crashers thing that was already big. Actually, mm -hmm. I think Wedding Crashers is after, but, like, the Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson thing. Which you hate, famously. Yes, not a fan of usually. Zoolander, mm -hmm. classic. Zoolander classic. Um, and then there's a mix of that and this kind of new thing, which is this really vulgar improvisational style, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think by now in 2021 has been dialed up to 11 to the point that it's no longer shocking or interesting. Well, it's also like really hard to get away with yeah. mm -hmm. to this extent, to the way they're doing it. Super bad. Yes, it's very hard to do well. Yeah. And the moment in here, which is one of the very few moments in the movie I think it doesn't work, is early on when Jonah Hill's arguing with the home ec teacher, and he keeps saying more and more extreme things and swearing at her, and the yeah. actress is, like, trying to stay in the scene, so she makes these shocked faces, and you're like, wow, she's gonna pull up at him. And then it just cuts to her, and she goes, oh, uh, you should be lab partners with Emma Stone. And none mm -hmm. of it mattered, because it yeah. was just the riff, it was just you know, funny in the moment, but it didn't actually have to do with the story. And there's very little of that in this movie. But I think it's something yeah. that would take over comedies. I also wonder how much is of the movie is improvisation based. Mm -hmm. They stick to a story. Like, it's clear they had a story in mind. But I do think there's lots of parts where you can see but it's just people riffing. Yeah, but I do think there's something about the script. There's something, like... One of the things I think makes this movie a success is that, like, it is, it both feels, like, genuine to the age as well as, like, insightful from, like, a pers an adult's later perspective. Where, like, mm -hmm. I know they started writing it as teenagers, and I think you can feel that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, the dialogue that's kind of used, there's, like, there is a very youthfulness to it. But I, but the the greater emotional themes are something that like I think takes a few years to kind of look back on and apply to your adolescence. Yeah. That I mean, I'm sure there is improvisation riffs, and I do know what you mean. It, it's kind of a weird moment. I do think that 
the cuts to Michael Sarah and his freaking home ec partner <laughs> are the some of the funniest things ever to me. I yeah, very funny. when he's like, "Don't leave me waiting," and he's tying the thing. And, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. my god, it's so good. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think there's an almost. This is really stupid, but what I think of a great movie, even like, uh, you know, already or more adult movie than super bad. I think of something where it's like, you know, the characters are going down a bad path, mm-hmm. but you're still kind of rooting for them to get yeah. there because the movie gets you so into their head, you know, like, I think that's what a great movie is a lot of the time. Not every time, obviously, but like Uncut Gems, for example, absurd to compare it, these two movies. But that movie, you're, like, rooting for him to win the bets and things like that, even though you know he's going to screw everything up and it's going to make things worse. Because the story is so compelling. Yeah. But I think you just understand how he thinks so much that you're, like, kind of rooting for him because you're, you're like, in his head. And that's how I almost feel with these two guys. Like, obviously what they're saying is horrible a lot of the time and wrongheaded. But you're so rooting for them at at every point. I am all frequently trying to like calculate how this fits in to like my beliefs as like a feminist (laughs) you know um and I think you know ultimately to read the movie as like just sexist is to miss a lot of what the movie's about Mm -hmm. which is ultimately like a critique of toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. how it prevents both romantic relationships and like heightened platonic relationships um and i i mean so like but at the same time sometimes watching it you're like these are also still playing for jokes yeah and so i think it is a test to the film's strength that i'm able to sit there and like laugh at things that like you know are pretty sexist jokes yeah playing for jokes um but the movie is very compelling. It does a great job. And you, and yeah, I don't know. It's a, I love this movie. I, don't, I think this is maybe even a wildly held, widely held opinion on the internet, but it's hard for me to walk away from it and not think like they should put this in the Criterion collection. I'm not even joking. I think they yeah. should. Like, I, I think th- it belongs there. <laughs> I think this is a beloved movie in a very interesting way. And, like, because there are other, like, kind of horny boy comedies that I do like as guilty pleasures, but this isn't mm-hmm. a guilty pleasure for me. American Pie, that's a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I heard something interesting on American Pie on a on a podcast I'm not allowed to name, but mm-hmm. they were talking... Is it called, about... uh, Shrek? <laughs> no. And, um, they were talking about how, um, the director, um... Him and his brother, I think, they made that movie. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for directing jobs. Um, and they took it. They didn't want to make American Pie, you know? And they went mm-hmm. on to make About a Boy, which I think is more what they wanted to do. Whoa, that's wild. <laughs> but I think American Pie, it's not as good as Super Bad, but it has a similar like kind of humanity to the characters that you wouldn't expect of those movies. And I think actually really elevates it and has made it last. That's what I mean. I Yeah, it is more... I don't... Like, I, it's a guilty pleasure in the fact that, like, 
I don't think that this movie is actually furthering a conversation about consent and like mm-hmm. I think I not that I think super bad has furthered the conversation. I think it is an interesting part of the conversation. Whereas American Pie, like it's harder for me to balance like my morals and my uh, part of my brain that's just like ha ha ha. Um, yeah. That being said, I do know what you mean. Like, uh, it's more sensitive than you'd expect from the outside. I only saw it recently, yeah. and I was surprised by it. There is obviously some really gross. Uh, you know sexist things in it and like a fully a weird scene where a woman is filmed naked a yes, girl that's is the, the worst one yeah yeah but no but I, I but at the same time like i've enjoyed that movie mm-hmm. um i was talking about this on our oceans 13 episode um which you weren't there for but it's one of the I reasons like it, though Oh, you he listened to it, which is an interesting concept for a co-host. Um, someone <laughs> named Schmana. I don't know. Um, but I, what I find, like, just so fascinating about this movie and like, kind of all movies that explore male friendship is that they always are. This isn't a genre film, right? But like, is it? I don't know. But don't it's so. like, but like it it does fit into this like category of like these kind of male driven comedies at the time. And that often like movies that explore male friendship and male intimacy, um, the best are have to kind of like sneak themselves in to these greater canons of mm-hmm. like these genres, um, like action movies or yeah, sex comedies. And mm-hmm. I did super bad is really interesting in that it's kind of spoon feeding some like more interesting insights in what in like a kind of a package that like my brother and his friends were going to like take in if they were like this is a movie about consent and uh male friendship and the complications of it and whatever they'd be like i don't know but no, they were like, this is a movie about getting drunk and maybe having sex. And they were like, yes, please, two tickets, sir. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I I don't always think, like, movies have to, as I've argued on this podcast, have to be vehicles for good or, or anything no. like that. But I do think it, I totally agree that I think it smuggles some real emotion and some real ideas in this package of something that, you might yeah. expect to be stupid or, uh, you know, harmful from the outside. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think that this movie has to, like, owes it to society to be about, like, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger cause or that mm. that was even the intentions of the filmmakers going into it explicitly. But I think it's like, you know, I appreciate that this is a story being told by two intelligent adults who like are actually like, Hmm, like let's think greater about like the implications of this or about the kind of story that we're trying to tell. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I, it's just a smart movie, Mm -hmm. which I, I love movies that look dumb and are smart. Yeah. So, Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. I I agree. I think I think it's a great movie. I'm trying to like put into words what my thoughts are, but I'm just have you did you see Long Shot? Long Shot? Uh yes. So I feel like I have issues with Long Shot in in a couple different mm-hmm. ways, but I just think I there's a difference like with that where it feels like and even Neighbors, which I really like, where mm-hmm. at some point the characters will sit down and it's just it's a slightly different creative team it's just you know seth rogan but at some point it seems like in a lot of seth rogan movies now the characters will sit down and just talk about their emotions like i i remember at the end of the night before he goes Mm. it's hard to to you know hang out as much when you get older it's hard to keep in touch when you get older and it works okay in the movie i think that's a good movie and and some of those movies are good but in super bad like they it feels like they kind of never explicitly say a lot of the things and you have to kind of figure them out and i just think it makes it a little stronger of a movie than a lot of the other ones absolutely i agree i i mean because maybe it's the age of the characters that Mm -hmm. the characters have such a hard time saying those things yeah right and it's it's not adult Seth Rogen writing about an adult Seth Rogen who might be more likely to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. <laughs> that was my <laughs> Seth Rogen impression. Um, you know, it's it's teenage boys who famously, even the sensitive ones that I know, aren't always the best at articulating their feelings, especially with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why that sleeping bag scene, even though like it could, you know, it's both, funny like it's play for funny but it also has so much heart to it it's such like a freaking sweet beautiful scene and and they don't they don't go and this is what's really bothering me and let yeah. me really explain it because that's not the language that they know how to express <laughs> themselves and especially to each other just saying i love you it, it has so much impact mm-hmm. because like they've never said that before and yeah i think it would be probably would not have the same emotional impact especially with its audience if if it was like a more emotionally articulate film but i think it's stronger for that yeah definitely and i think it has that much impact because we've watched them for the entire movie struggle to basically articulate that to each other and basically articulate anything to anyone at any point like like their actual feelings i mean that's kind of the whole movie if they just kind of told each other and the girls they like and other people like what they wanted and how they felt like things would just be a lot easier and they project other people's thoughts on like what they assume their own insecurities yeah um and so i guess something that i think is interesting to talk about in conjunction to super bad like now is the kind of string of movies that have come out in recent years in response to like the super bads and the American pies. Yes. With the female twist to it. Yes. Um, you know, book smart definitely is like, feels like a direct response to super bad yep. blockers. I would say is kind of a response to American pie. Yeah. Um, have you seen blockers? Yes. Um, I don't. I know you're not the biggest fan of Booksmart. Mm-hmm. I still like Booksmart. I was thinking uh, about it a bit while watching this. I think 
it's interesting. I think books, I like loved Booksmart. I think it's a great standalone film. Mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting kind of companion piece to Superbad, mostly because I don't know if Superbad necessarily needs a kind of response movie to it or like yeah. a wokeification of it. Yes, that's interesting. Because again, I think Block or uh, I well, I think Blockers is great, but I think Booksmart mm-hmm. is great. But like as I mean, as far as that genre goes, Superbad is probably the least guilty offender. Yeah. Uh as well as like I don't know to not and and block or er, and Booksmart has different themes to it. It's not even really about consent at all. Right. And it's it's it kind of speaks on the friendship themes of it. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know, I just think to 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 kind of make a movie that is such an obvious response to super bad in that way is almost to ignore the actual like meaning of super bad. Yeah. Here, here's what I think, and I'm, you know, very ignorantly, I haven't looked a ton into how Booksmart was made or anything like that, but this is just my mm-hmm. guess. Here's what I think the difference is. I didn't, like, think about really, like, toxic masculinity, at least in those words when I was watching Superbad, but when you said that, I did think, like, um, this is a movie about men's inability to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. and which, you know, is toxic masculinity, in, in other words. And I think, but I kind of think they stumbled on that, not by accident, but they were very clearly trying to tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the characters are named Seth and Evan. Mm-hmm. They've talked, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have talked about how they um, were writing it, you know, as teenagers, as you said. And um, Seth Rogen always wanted to play the Seth character and got too old. Things like that. And then I think, you know, as you said, with the benefit of hindsight, they realized that it was a movie about being vulnerable. Uh, or at least they made a, a movie about being vulnerable. With Booksmart, I almost felt like it was like, with that wanting to be the female super bad, with wanting to make like a kind of wild party movie for this era, it felt like, um, I think older people grafting their values now onto a story about modern teenagers... Mm-hmm. in a way that didn't feel quite as authentic. It was still a really fun movie and still a really well-made movie, but it didn't feel like someone's like life story in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost like a fantasy of like, what if I had just had one night where I actually let go and like mm-hmm. didn't didn't like judge everybody around me and just kind of, you know, tried to like enjoy high school. Whereas, like, Superbad is more, like, I don't know, what if instead of being so caught up in shit, we just said things that we can now say to each other as friends? hmm I think they both, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I would say extend that same criticism to Superbad, actually, because I think the antiky stuff, to me, is the weakest. Like, yeah. my favorite thing in the movie, I think, is when... Uh, Evan is describing their wild night out and he describes something that feels so familiar and accurate of like they're drinking in the basement and they get drunk at like a family like gathering and yeah I know that feels very real 
Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, there are there were those nights sometimes in high school, though, where like things would just follow a weird path and you mm-hmm. would just end up. I mean, with blockers, it's obvious or not. Oh, my God. I keep saying blockers with book smart. <laughs> it's obviously like they get into crazier antics. I do think that those antics are fun. I think it's a mm-hmm. very fun movie. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't feel super bad feels realer in that it's grosser in that it's uglier. Yes. It's very ugly, but (laughs) I think that that's what resonates the most. It feels more honest. I want to get off like ready on book smart but i think even more honest than a lot of those like broly comedies of the time mm. because the i don't know they're so pathetic like they're not yeah. cool and they're not cool and i think that is very vulnerable and stuff and a lot of teen movies are like oh this person's the loser and then it's just a cool person and yeah they just tell us that this is the loser that everyone hates and it's like why but it's like they're not even really nerds in the classical sense either in that like Mm -hmm. the character seth isn't smart (laughs) he does he's like not (laughs) academically like successful and it's more just like yeah i don't know it's just like it's i think they'd be unpleasant to be around it would be hard to be friends with these guys like legitimately Maya, my my uh, and I when we watched this movie, she was like, "I fucking hate Jonah Hill's character," and it's true. I mean, Michael Sarah's character. I think you can even see like when he's not around, he doesn't talk the same way. He's like a right. more polite person. Yeah, I think that's very clear the distinctions between the characters. But Seth Rogen's character is so not Seth Rogen's character, Jonah Hill's character so unpleasant to be around it but also feels like so many fucking guys yes i think that's and that's more real and more honest than giving them like the nerd signifiers of like oh they're into dungeons and dragons so everyone hates them it's like i don't know that's just like that's like a symptom you know of the disease (laughs) well i would say (laughs) there's nothing wrong with dungeons and dragons i just mean people got into weird stuff if they were ostracized i think yeah and like to be in fairness of book smart that's what the movie's about. You know, mm-hmm. people don't yeah, yeah, dislike yeah. them because they're smart. They dislike them because they decided that everyone else disliked them because they were smart. Yes, which is, I think, a smart uh, rewrite of that. Y- sort of yeah. Um, but it is interesting. And I would say, like, one of the biggest differences is that in Booksmart, they're almost, like, too... they almost articulate how they feel with each other too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) whereas in Superbad it's the opposite because you know boys and girls (laughs) boys so dumb girls so emotional but even like not even just book smart like I think like there's a difference in like something like Wedding Crashers or Old School or whatever which are you know movies where the characters are, are just as gross if not grosser where it's meant to feel cool. And so it is really hard to watch them, you know, mm-hmm. um, talk to women that way or whatever. Like, I was thinking about when Jonah Hill is, like, behind Emma Stone in the home ec and, like, miming, like, all those gross things. It's like, that would be, like, horrible in real life. 
But the oh, character's yeah. so pathetic that it's like, I don't know. It's like life is ragging on him enough already. Like everything's bad for him. No, it's true. And it's that's, I think, one of the reasons why I like this movie. It's one of the few times I can enjoy these kinds of like fratty movies because it's not trying to make me like accept that world. Mm-hmm. And like, I also think about like the kinds of guys that were kind of like that in high school because I didn't associate with that many of them. And those guys weren't generally liked by our friends in high school. I will say I liked those guys more than I would have in other contexts. Sure. Like if they had uh, power. <laughs> in any yeah. way just yeah. guys that were like oh yeah sex and girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was kind of cute because it was like it was that's how you think things work that's yeah, I was bizarre. like oh sweetie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whereas i think if i'd gone to any other high school it would have been a different situation but right. you know we were very enlightened and <laughs> we, were, we were we were the king and queen of the school we ruled with with our yeah Actually, i just want to point that out Seb and I won prom king and queen. Not as <laughs> Didn't go did. together. Yeah. Yeah, we were just both so powerful. <laughs> they it was undeniable. Whore us away from our respective prom dates and said, You rule the school. You are the chosen. Yes. And then everybody like carried us. Like we crowd surfed <laughs> into like a pool of rainbows. I don't know where I'm going with this. Can I tell a good uh, a story? Yeah. Um, My cousin. Max, who I hope I can name. Anyway, he's in high school. And he, um, one time we were at Christmas and he made a joke about how he was voted the most popular kid in high school. And someone was like, um, like, I can't remember how it it happened, but I think I was maybe egging him on and I was like, oh, really? You were voted? He's like, yeah, every single person got together and voted for me. And then, like, at another Christmas, Max had to, like, come up and tell everyone that he wasn't. And because Grandma had been telling all her friends that Max was voted the most popular. No! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. I think it's so funny. And was to be clear, proud? Max is a very popular kid. Yeah, Max, actually, like, I heard from all the kids. <laughs> so cool. Was Abuela proud? <laughs> of course. Who wouldn't be? Aww. She's still proud of him. He's the best. No, she's not. <laughs> be honest. I gotta get him on here. Okay. I'm planning a whole cousin uh, series. Jeez Louise. So we can only do movies about cousins. Yeah. My cousin Vinny. Oh. My cousin Vinny too. The Godfather? There's some cousins in that one. But, uh... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else is there to say, Sebastian? About Superbad? Mm -hmm. I feel like we pretty much covered it. I was thinking, though. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Also, I was thinking, Luke said something interesting. Luke, my roommate. Oh, Greg. Greg. Was uh, passing by, and he was laughing, and he was talking about how much he loved the movie, and he was saying, uh, no one else could have played these roles. And I think it's true. On a certain podcast that cannot be named, they said that about The Matrix, where they said they settled on the three pe- the only three people who could have played those roles, which I think is true of that movie. And I actually also think it's true of this movie. Like, the three of them are so perfectly cast. Yeah. I, and 
If it wasn't Jonah Hill, maybe we would hate that guy. Well, I was thinking, like, what if it had been Seth Rogen to play him? And I was thinking about Freaks and Geeks era Seth Rogen. I don't think it would have gone the same way. It would have been worse. You don't like Seth Rogen in Freaks and Geeks. Mm -hmm. He's, like, funny and, like, he he (laughs) develops as a character. But at first you're like, this guy's just a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I don't think that it would have sold. I think that there's this insecurity that... The vulnerability. Yeah, he brings this, like, layer to the role that, yeah, genuinely, like, makes it acceptable. And then, obviously, fucking (laughs) Michael Sarah, that role was perfect for him. (laughs) And then, fucking McLovin. He looks so perfect. Like, he looks... They didn't cast someone who looks too old or anything. Like, he looked like a little child. He was 17 and his mom had to be in the room when they filmed that, like, sex scene. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't know that. And he's so good. And I mean, bless that guy's heart because he's forever going to be just referred to as, like, McLovin. Yes. I did you think can't... about that. Bill Hader pretty much literally says that at the end. Like, they're in the cop car and he's like, uh, oh, I don't like Fogel. I'm just going to call you McLovin from now on. And the whole world agreed. <laughs> that's also, that guy's name on the subject of Bill Hader and like Seth Rogen okay because I was saying this to my roommate uh, <laughs> my roommate um, <laughs> that um, nice. Seth Rogen and Bill Hader are two uh, actors that I tend to fancy but not in this movie like okay. at all Okay. And let's see where she's going folks my roommate brought up the point that this is probably one of the worst portrayals of cops ever yeah. in a movie. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about that because um, I I have way less fun watching that story than, you know, yeah. um, Seth and Evan, especially now. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, like, you can totally take it as an indictment of the cops because they're they're horrible in, in every scene. Um. But, I don't know, there's the slightly more insidious thing, I think, is, I was, I know I'm talking a lot, but there was a video by this guy, Jack Saint, I believe, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about cops in um, American movies, and I love a lot of movies where this is the case, but he was talking about how it started to be a joke, I think way earlier than Superbad, of like, show a cop being terrible at their job, because Uh our expectation as a society is that they're going to be really good at their job. And so this is a funny subversion, right? And every cop show shows the cops as being competent and good people and everything. And then we're going to subvert this by having them be reckless and whatever. Mm. And then every movie became that. So it was almost like there was no difference. Like it starts with like the buddy cop movies like Lethal Weapon and things like that, where the cops just act in more and more extreme ways. And it's kind of a joke. Mm. And then it becomes this thing where it's like, it's unclear if things are if this is the joke or not, you know, I don't think I don't think Superbad reached that point, but it's definitely reached that point now. That's interesting. And I, I do think about it a lot. Um, it's less funny to me now because it's closer to my actual opinion of the cops. Maybe that's, yeah, you know, interesting in a detached way. But it's harder for me to laugh at them and think of them as kind of just good natured guys, which I think part of the movie wants you to do. That is interesting. I mean, like. I feel like I'm trying to, like, step out of my personal perspectives Mm -hmm. and trying to think of, like, maybe, like, 
what like most of the audience would like I I've always read it as kind of like not necessarily as like Seth Rogen being like this is my indictment of the cops mm -hmm. but like just that like I generally negative portrayal yeah of but at the same time I think I am coming from it with like bias I guess that that like I don't know that like I guess I can also see like and I wasn't thinking about this like the Harmon portraying them is almost like they're like we don't know any better haha -ha. like we're yeah. almost so stupid it's like but I do also I think that these characters there's a level of like knowingness but just general apathy that I mm -hmm. think it you know it it's a bit different from them just being a couple of like idiots like who are like oh doop -de doo you know I don't know what that was that I just did but um <laughs> two idiots um you know there's like a kind of acknowledgement of what they probably should be doing and you know what is proper conduct and yet a yeah just a lack of concern for following that but at the same time like I think that is an interesting point that you bring up and like I do wonder how someone else might read it who doesn't who isn't going into it with a general dislike for the police yeah I yeah I don't think it's gonna change anyone's mind either way and I don't you know I mean no that would be wild yes it, yeah and I don't know you know, if, uh, if that's art's job or entertainment's job right. uh, in general. But I, it is interesting to look back, like, all, all these years later. Because I... And again, you know, intent only counts for so much. But I think it really is, I think, supposed to be absurd that the cops are acting like this. Like, when they come to a house party with teenagers and say, we will shoot you. Like, that's a joke. And to right. us, that seems... That's a, a joke, like... No, that but it isn't. The cops yeah. would walk up to a suburban White House party and say that. But it's not a joke to a lot of people. Like, yeah. And and parts of it, even like, even from this, you know, detached white perspective of mine, where I have almost zero experience with the cops at all. Um, it's weird to watch him like Bill Hader, like, um, you know, pin those two guys to the ground and like pull his gun on them and stuff. It just feels so different than the first time I saw it. Yeah. Interesting. No, for sure. I mean No, you're you are very like I I think definitely like especially if their objectives were like for absurdity. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I I can see how like the that wouldn't deliver for like many people. I just think it, yeah. it's supposed to tie into the main theme, like the end where they're like, oh, we knew you were uh, underage the whole time and mm -hmm. we just wanted to have fun. Like, I think that's supposed to connect as like a, the unifying theme of the whole movie. And it's just what? weird to include them because they're Is so... Is that the unifying theme of the whole movie? Because they're, they're vulnerable, I thought. I thought the whole thing was about male vulnerability. Um, and they finally tell McLovin, you know, how they actually feel about themselves. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, like, yeah, I guess, like, I've, I, I 
I never really bothered to connect the B plot with like the greater theme, which is probably really stupid of me. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that is interesting. Cause like, I don't know. So I feel like I'm just leaving all these blank empties. No. Uh, well, I'm thinking. Like, uh, yeah. I think neither of us is really fully equipped to talk about like the no. full portrayal of cops in this movie. Like this no, is just or... kind of the straight thoughts I had while watching. Yeah, it. yeah. but I think because it, it is something that when you do watch like now, looking back, trying to like, I don't know. I guess comprehend what they were trying to achieve with mm-hmm. it. And whether or not they achieved it. And you're right. Like, I don't necessarily think that we are the people to say hmm. whether or not it was a successful achievement. Yeah. Like, if you if you think of cops that they're all good and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with them or whatever. I can see where, where they were going with it. Or even yeah. if you hate them, I think you can make that reading work. Yeah. But at the end, it really feels like, oh, wow, all five of our main characters have become more vulnerable and are happier as a result. But two of them, you know, are these armed maniacs who wield like a, a you know, tremendous amount of societal power. Yeah. Um, it's different than these three teenage boys who yeah, learn to respect like, each other. <laughs> like a horny teenage boy is not the equivalent. Yeah. Hmm. But, and so, yeah, I think you're right. That message gets lost in that. But we can, um, we, we can, we can switch gears. Yeah, sure. Should we uh, do whack? Huh? We could go there already. I feel like we're. How it's long 50, have we been going? We're fifty minutes in. Oh really? Yeah. Oh damn. Um. Yeah. I do you want to do? I feel like. We could do Wack Actor Avenue. I feel like um, there might be more to say. But we can talk about the characters and, and as well as the performances. Because I yeah. Yeah, just want to talk about more of the characters, I think. Um, talk about... Okay, who do you want to talk about first? I think one of the big losses, if it was Seth Rogen, would be that he would not be able to do the final shot on the escalator the way Jonah Hill does. Absolutely destroys it, I think. I think it's a really well-directed moment. I still remember it from 10 years ago, almost exactly as it happened. Fantastic. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't think Seth Rogen could carry that, like, not that, and I, he, I not, that's not even a criticism of Seth Rogen, but I just don't yeah. think that, yeah, he'd be able to, like, deliver the kind of emotions and just that. Yeah. And, like, the kind of bittersweet feeling of, like, they're both with the girls that they spent the entire movie pining after. And yet, it's like, you just feel such a great loss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, no, Jonah Hill's fucking great in this movie. You can um, see a straight line from this to Jonah Hill, uh, Oscar nominee, I think. Oh, yeah. It's not even that long. And... I do love that. I love that the two guys from Superbad went to into one of them being an Oscar-nominated actor and the other being kind of like an indie darling for a yeah. while. <laughs> it's great. 
Yeah, it made me miss Michael Sarah. I still think he's so funny. Like, I remember watching one of the later, like, Netflix Arrested Development seasons, not really loving it or anything, but going, like, why? I think he chose, and maybe people got tired of him, but, like, why isn't he in more stuff? He's so funny. I... This is one of the few times I'm going to be like, I think a man's looks have actually like, you, you know, usually I don't talk about beauty standards for men and I'm not even saying like, I'm not, but it's, but I think that, that he has aged in an interesting fashion and that. But I think you can maybe, use. Yeah. Sorry. No, I keep no, no, no. I feel bad saying that. But I, I just think. Mean, you can use 2020's Michael Sarah in a different way than you could 2007 Michael Sarah, obviously. Mm. But I think you can like the big the big example for me is Molly's Game, where he's very funny and very like it's a really interesting performance. I think. Um, have you seen it? No, but isn't he playing Toby Maguire? He's playing a character who's likely based on Toby Maguire. Yes, interesting. Um, um, but he's just... so funny in it. A random, random random side thing i was listening to a podcast today um and they were talking about the pussycat dolls because they were originally a burlesque show and they played at the viper room which was or the viper lounge room or something which was johnny depp's club that river phoenix died at and and that was where they would that the Molly of Molly's game had her secret poker with Toby Maguire. Oh, wow. So the place in that 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 movie sudden or whatever is the Viper Lounge. Yeah, I knew it was sorry, my brain ding ding. No, that's interesting because it's probably not him. I haven't read Molly's game the book or whatever, but when she's at that place in the movie, she's like always having to pay like the guy who i'm pretty sure like runs the game and he's like this like douchey like fedora wearing guy and i wonder if there's any chance it's supposed to be like johnny depp well i do know that leo and toby mcguire were like writing it together i think it was like the pussy posse guys (laughs) but it could also be johnny depp yeah i don't know oh wow love it um yeah i hope he makes a comeback i think and i think people would love it if he did and i i think like he's been away from like huge stuff for long enough now that i think people would be excited for him to to come back and i think he's more than what people pinned him as at that time yeah like there's obviously things he can't do but i think he is really funny yeah but i think it probably didn't in the long run service him that like his most well-known roles are all kind of versions of a similar character. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of tied to like a younger version of himself. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, cause I, yeah, I think he, <laughs> I, I would love to see what he can, <laughs> what more you can do. And I love that Jonah Hill's had that opportunity yes. to like, take on different roles i think give a lot of really good performances in his career yeah um i don't know what mclovin has done recently i actually think he's very good in promising young woman and he oh, kind he's of, in that yeah he has one scene i haven't seen it 
And I think he, like, understands that the movie is, like, kind of schlocky and, like, not a serious film in the way that, like, maybe the filmmakers did not know. (laughs) But he's doing, like, this really, like, broad thing that I think is really funny. Oh, well, I'll keep an eye out for him. I had no idea he was in that. Weird movie. I want to see it. Don't tell me your thoughts on it. Okay. we'll, We'll talk afterwards. Okay. But... Um, oh, well, that's where he's been. Well, yeah, he shows up every once in a while. He definitely got stuck in the McLovin mold. Yeah. Um, I think he can be just do that in other movies a lot of the time. I don't know if that's his fault, but sometimes it, I think, hurts the movie. I actually think he really hurts role models, the aforementioned mm. role models. <laughs> so you think he's not very good in that. Mm. But. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to see him outside of, like, the McLovin thing. And Seth Rogen has kind of made a transformation into Zaddy, (laughs) which is very interesting. I still get excited about a new Seth Rogen a lot of the time. I'll watch whatever he's doing. They're always pleasant. Yeah. He, yeah, I'm, I like this pottery thing that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he seems happy. I wish he'd stretch himself a bit more as an actor more. Like, I think he's mm. really good in Steve Jobs, actually. Mm. More dramatic part. I wish he'd do stuff like that a, a bit more, like Jonah Hill did. But but I'm But I think, you know, he's someone who probably has enough power and money that if he really wanted to, he could. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I he's think maybe he just doing what he yeah, want wants yeah. to do. Um, he's had a pretty. Wife... Oh, sorry. Oh no! Just I heard his wife on a different podcast, and I was like, "Oh, I like her," and I was happy for them. Oh. Um, what were you saying? Well, I just think he's had a pretty impressive long run that I don't know if anyone would have predicted. Like, no. from knocked up to now, that's like fifteen years. Yeah, where he's been consistently a pretty big and beloved star and i don't know if anybody else in this kind of comedy world of that time i don't know if anyone has been able to like consistently put stuff out like yeah it's been well received i feel like a lot of guys have tried and there's just been flops yeah yeah like jonah hill went to more dramatic things as well which i think helped Paul Rudd is the only one, but even he has a much more mixed track record, and he was around before that and did a lot yeah, of other stuff. He's also like, like you just can't deny the effect that he has <laughs> on people. I wish listeners could see the look that is coming to your eye. He's just wistfully uh, thinking about. He is a cutie. <laughs> Sorry, just closing my blind. Um, yeah, I don't know who else is even. Who else is even? Who else is even? In in the corral, Jason Siegel really kind of flopped on that front. I, I and I like him fine, but I mean, oh, he's such a cutie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just I'm just trying to think like if you're talking about the people who flopped, I think he would qualify. No, for sure, I'm sad that he had to be on How I Met Your Mother for like nine seasons. That didn't help. I don't yeah. Think. No. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, Emma Stone is really good in this. Oh, yeah, Very that much one. announces uh, herself as a movie star, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, she'll show up in something. And then she does, and then she becomes famous. Yeah, EZA is like two or three years after this. Yeah, and uh, Dave Franco announced himself as a movie star right there. <laughs> I think one of the funniest things in the whole thing is the way Jonah Hill like angrily kicks the soccer balls away for no reason. Like he's just angry they're near him and he's in the middle of a soccer field. <laughs> I just think it's such a funny role. That there's a guy whose entire role is that he pissed his pants he used once. To, he, used to piss his pants. he looks so but, young in this. I guess I he was know. pretty young. Also the guy you the kid that I think they were trying to make, like one of those guys who ended up on like the office for a little bit and shit. Talking about that Clark kid, Duke. Is that the kid with the glasses? The glasses, yeah. Yeah, he's in super bad at the party. Yeah. Within, like, I don't even think he's a speaking role. So weird. There's a lot of, yeah, it's like every, if, you, if you're if you a real big fan of the Apatow-verse, you're going to spot Everyone's a lot of people there. in this one. Yeah. Yeah, freaking Martin Starr. Martin Starr and Kremholtz in the same scene. Oh my god, Dodoy. And, um, that guy, Kevin Joe something. Joe no, Kevin. Oh, Kevin Corrigan, who's in Pineapple Express and stuff. He's an interesting guy who ended up in their orbit because he's like a mob movie guy. Like, he yeah, like I know. Goodfellas and Departed and stuff. In true romance, he plays this little mobster. <laughs> he looks like a baby. Also, just, I love him forever in uh, Slums oh, right. of Beverly Hills. Correct, oh, my right. God. Such a weird character. I love it. Um. I felt I felt bad for Becca. I remember I watched I was there was a point where I was trying to watch um every Samuel L. Jackson movie mm-hmm. and I watched Unicorn Store and I was oh, like, okay. who is that woman who has like two lines in Unicorn Store? And it was her. And I was like, Oh damn. Yeah, she Too also bad. has like two lines in Battle of the Sexes, famously oh, starring damn. Emma Stone. <laughs> well, you yeah. Know. You win some, you lose some. hmm I think anyone who's in this you can dine out on that forever. Yeah. Also, she's great at playing drunk. Yeah, she's really good in this. She's like actually like it is really hard to act drunk convincingly, and she has a great job. <laughs> um. Would you agree or disagree with this? Mm-hmm. This is not a watershed moment. This film in portraying female great female characters, but those two characters act like recognizable human beings and do things that make sense. Which puts them above so many other movies of this kind. Yeah, definitely. Because at that time, in any other movie, they would have been like, Ew, oh my god, like, <laughs> bleh. And then I'm on my phone. <laughs> but like, they're not, they don't, I think they react in reasonable ways to all yes. of the guys' intakes. Which is that like, they're sometimes annoyed or grossed out, but sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they're uncomfortable, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just seem like reasonable people. Yeah, and they're not always the wet blankets to the no. antics of, like, oh, my God, I screwed it up with her. It's, like, very clearly, Becca, the very, both of them, they like the two guys very obviously frozen. from the start of the film. I've lost Hannah, frozen. listeners. Oh, okay. I've lost, oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, they, they both like them. And, uh, you know... In a way that makes sense where you're watching and you're like, why don't, why doesn't everyone just say how they feel? And that's the whole yeah. theme of the movie. And like, 
and it's cute and they seem more mature than the guys but like yeah not in like a, oh my god you guys are so <laughs> mature yeah way like they they're yeah i i appreciate it again i'm yeah they're not like wow the best female characters ever written whatever <laughs> but <laughs> considering uh the low standards that I have for even Apatow films yeah. <laughs> knocked up. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not bad. I would say the only one that's like fully just there for the male gaze is Nicola, that poor girl with the black yes. dog. Yes, and that's the one where you're like, I guess she's not supposed to recognize Fogel, but you're like, you're really hanging out with the guy who is like clearly gawking at you. No, but you know. I think she's supposed to be so dumb that she thinks she's, he's like, he's going to take McLovin. me to Hawaii. Like, right, she thinks right, that right, he's... Right. Which, whatever. Uh, yes. For, yes. That's a good point. <laughs> Again, I, this movie technically passes the Bechdel test for, like, five seconds. So. Um, when the girls are on the elevator at the end. Or the escalator. Oh, they're Jesus. talking to each other. <laughs> it's literally for... 30 seconds no less than 30 seconds like five seconds um let it pass this nice yeah so <laughs> they should put that on their poster um should we give our wax scores sure i'm trying to think i guess we talked about actors for a long time i think yeah. okay here's the thing I, I want to say maybe quickly i think another thing with the cops is that maybe this was less of a case in 2007 but mm. I wouldn't put those two guys there because there's no threat to them at all, which is more of an issue earlier in the movie when they're like questioning McLovin and stuff. It's like, there's no stakes. There's no feeling of like danger or anything. Cause it's so clearly Seth Rogen and Bill Hader goofing around. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I guess, I guess they have to be like funny for most of the movie, but yeah. And I guess like, I don't know if this was what the movie was trying to achieve, but what it might have been trying to achieve is like kind of demask or emasculating them yeah. by having two goofy comedy guys, them being just like completely inept. Again, I don't know if that's the stance if or if it's even trying to take a stance mm-hmm. in regards to it rather than you know, them just being authority figures and that was the example that they used or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, I don't, I feel like it's just, we, this movie doesn't necessarily get merit for its portrayal of cops. I don't necessarily, I I personally don't know how impactful, like negatively or positively yeah, no, I, I don't know if it made it any real-world difference at all. But even just, like, no. somehow detaching it, and even from a comedy perspective, I just think it would be stronger if it's, like, at first we're worried for McLovin, at least just in the scene in the liquor store, and then slowly it unravels that these guys are bad at their jobs and, you know, incompetent yeah. and these, like, scared nerds. When it's just so clear from the start that that's what they are. There's yeah, no, like, progression. I, mean, I don't know. But do you think it would be effective if they had, like, two John Cena types up there? And then we that found be, out they were actually too much, sensitive? But I think there's somewhere in the middle between, like, a, that and, like, a guy we know from SNL. You know? 
yeah. and Seth Rogen. No, that's that's that is fair. I almost feel like those characters were written because they just wanted like a role for themselves. Yes, hundred percent. Which, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Alright, we can do our scores. This was a, a surprisingly civil episode. I'll pat ourselves on the back for that. I think it's because we just like this movie both. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Both like this movie. Um, yeah. Well, you give your score first. Um, two and a half? I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's a good movie. It's I think it like part of it watching it now is realizing how shocking I think some of it was at the time to see all that stuff in a mainstream movie with younger characters. That's what it feels like in certain scenes. Where yeah, I I don't know. I feel desensitized to like what was supposed to be such a vulgar movie. Yeah, after a decade of imitators, more than a decade of imitators. Mhm. I think what's most whack for me is is that even though, you know, we've talked about the reasons that I like it, I can still see myself being, like, deterred away by, like, just the, the constant jokes and jokes about women mm-hmm. and, like, sex that, like, could, I, I think, understandably bother a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, but I don't think it's a whack movie or at least not in I don't know it's hard I think I'll give it a two and a half too because honestly I'm just too lazy to like really conceptualize what else my score would be there is also one other thing I want to talk about real quick which is the title and the title sequence which I think is kind of a whack thing that I think a lot of comedies by white people did around that time which is like Imagine if our characters, and this movie does a lot less than other movies, but imagine if our characters who are these white nerds um, acted and were referred to in ways that are like for like a cool, smooth black person in the 70s. Yeah. I think that's what the title is in the title sequence when they're like, you know, dancing awkwardly. Yeah. Playing on like the irony of that for sure office space which is a movie that i like a lot is like really guilty of stuff like that and i think it's in a lot of like comedies of you know past 30 years yeah no definitely like taking i i never really got what the title like i never fully got the title i think it's supposed to be like and maybe I'm getting it all wrong, but like Superfly or like something like a black exploitation movie where it's oh, like, okay. oh, wait a second. These are the guys who are super bad. What the heck? And it's like, <laughs> the joke is that they're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think I don't necessarily I don't think that they could. Well, they might be able to get away with it today. I don't know, but yeah. probably not as easily. I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if that's even really like a joke people understand anymore. I feel like it's almost been like put in the cultural memory hole of like, why is Superbad called that? Like no one even questions it. Yeah. It's just super bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think maybe I, I, I feel like I never thought too hard about that, but it is an interesting point. 
that, like, yeah, like, people loved making the joke in the mid-2000s. I was just like, oh, oh white nerds. <laughs> and they're, and they're, they're saying gangster rap. And they're, they're singing gangster rap songs. They're holding a gun sideways. Imagine. Yeah. Idiots. And everyone went bananas. Yeah. And now... Uh, yeah. It was a weird time. Strange time. All right. Do we have anything else? I can't think <laughs> of anything else. So then maybe... I should thank Emma Kudlak for our logo and Ian Mills for our music and direct our listeners to at Insomniac Fest on Twitter and at Insomniac underscore Fest on Instagram, unless I have that backwards, which I might, but I don't think so. Anyway, I hope you can find it. <laughs> um, you can also go to insomniacfestival.com to watch uh, Insomniac the movie and play Insomniac the movie, the game, if you haven't already, or if you have already, and you want to see it again. It rewards multiple mm-hmm. viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, how does this... Oh. Um, we have to go yeah. <laughs> on two separate escalators to yeah. symbolize that a certain time in our life is over and we yeah, are you approaching guys... adulthood. You can't see it, but we're doing that exact thing, exact thing right now. And I'm sinking out of the so, same window. Yeah, obviously Seb's the Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. and so he's sad. And I, yeah. And it doesn't care. I don't give a shit. I'm <laughs> going, going to, to Dartmouth. She's going to Dartmouth. McLovin. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mom, get out. I'm doing a podcast.